Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch. Why, why aren't you releasing YouTube videos to teach men how to dress and smell? And Willie Ramirez. The people that you're talking about that need to watch these, they choose not to. Right. It's not as if they don't know how or they don't know what they're, you know, they just they just choose not. On ESPN Las Vegas. Well, it's Chelsea Gray going to look at their suit like, hey, I like that mustard stain t-shirt. You look at fly. No, it's not going to happen. She complimented my man, Willie yeah, Ramirez. Yeah, they did not point out the guys that are walking in with the fit stains on the white tees and the hole on the side. Take the compliment. I got Oh, love that horn section. Earth, wind, and fire. What's going on? Throw the flag back again. Treasure Island Sportsbook, Golden Circle, hanging out with my man Willie Ramirez. It's your buddy Gooch. Just talking sports, breaking down the week of sports. And let me just say, what a gigantic week for Las Vegas sports. I thought you were going to say what a gigantic necklace you're wearing. Oh, I, you know, that is a big necklace. <laughs> I saw you shaking hands with your boy Mordecai. Yeah. What, that was, is that what you got that one time? Was that what it was? No, I've had this one. I have him making some. I, I, I'm actually waiting on one more custom piece. I saw a dude, an NFL player. He had a whole jet that was just bedazzled, straight up diamonds. Yeah, I'm not Probably on that cost level. about forty five thousand dollars. I, I don't need to be on that level. I just make sure that I have three different sets. I have to have the yellow gold. I got the white gold. I got the sterling silver. He's icing out some stuff for me right now. Why do I feel like in your closet there's like a candlestick that you pull and then a whole revolving door turns around and you just have like suits and amazing jewelry? Well, I, 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 the only thing that revolves in my closet is the tie rack. I hit the button and it just shifts around and there's like 35, 40 ties and it comes so I can pick. And then there's just one whole rack of suits. See, you look at me and Mateo and we're like, what's a spinning tie rack? We have one tie that we wear to weddings Job interviews and funerals. That's how we like to rock. But, dude, nice. let's get back to the world of sports. Your Las Vegas Aces are the world champs, you guys. Do we want to get to that? We just want to talk about how the Rebels could be the Mountain West threat. The Golden Knights training camp is underway. Raiders? Eh, I don't want to kill this mode. Let's just, let's just focus on what, what I mentioned earlier. Let's just, talk, let's just focus on the two teams that I brought up earlier. Rebels are looking sharp. Aces are the champions. Yeah. This parade that just took place a couple wild. days ago, wild. Insane. I loved it. And we just brought up we just brought up Kelsey Plum and she looked like she was having a great time. She was lit. And she was well she I think she may have stayed lit from like post post game in Connecticut all the way until she left for Sydney, Australia. Which, by the way, has got to be a hard thing to stay lit in Connecticut. What the hell is there to do and party and do in well, Connecticut? Well, they, they left hours after the okay. after game four. So, I mean, they were popping champagne. I'm sure that they had other drinks, some kind. Who knows? But, I mean, she was walking around with the goggles. She interrupted the postgame press conference. It's now a gif. I forgot to add that to the to the tweet announcing the show. I was thinking about putting that on there. Um, but, yeah, she, you know, and, and from my understanding from a couple of media members, the most cooperative one since the buzzer went off and they won the chant title. Uh, at that moment, it's like the season's over. So some of them are like, yeah, no. They're, they're done with media. They're done. Okay, hey, our, our responsibilities are done until next year. Don't bug me. Leave me alone. Kelsey Plum was the most cooperative out of everybody from Connecticut all the way to back to Las Vegas. And, you know, at the parade, everybody was doing interviews and whatnot, but – yeah, she uh, she was on she was on her Instagram story on a private plane, 
um, talking about, yeah, uh, nothing's changed. It's like, you know, basically saying still like it's in season. They have the whole team gets pizza, and this is what they got for me. And then she showed her phone and it went to a salad. And she's just throwing pieces of arugula in her mouth <laughs> with her eyes slanted going, I can't even taste it. I'm lit. So, right. Good for her. There you go. You know what? And I like how she was honest about it. Yeah. A lot of people try to run and hide. No, not man. our Kelsey. You well, represent not, not, Vegas not, to the fullest. Not any of them, really, because the um, the number of S-bombs, A-bombs, and F-bombs that were dropped at the parade, I just don't think that they gave an F. I don't think that they cared. And they, it's the, But you know what? That was what made it so real and honest and great was they were celebrating something for that this town hasn't felt since the greatest championship in Southern Nevada history, which will never, never. I think a Super Bowl maybe could supersede that, but there'll never be a bigger championship to affect this town than the UNLV Runner Rebels National Championship for how beloved Jerry Tarkanian was. How beloved, you know, just that program, the first program in, from for national prominence at that time. Um, but the town hadn't felt that since 1990. So you're talking about 32 years and good on them for sort of just letting loose and being themselves, being like the people that were there celebrating them. And I couldn't be there. I was on the air, but I was talking about it. And I will say that I did love seeing he almost had 3000 people show up right there in front of the Bellagio. That's a lot of people. Right. And, dude, and those girls were having the time of their lives. As far as the the swearing on stage, anybody who has a problem with that, living in Las Vegas, get back to Utah, okay? Like, these, these girls were out of this world excited. They just won the championship. A couple of swear words are going to slip out. Stop pretending like you didn't hear a swear word in a movie or hear your mom or dad say a swear word. Relax, guys. I understand that, yes, they're athletes, and, yes, you know, your your kids might look at them I as heroes. For you. I got news for you. But they're people. The parents that were out there with those kids, 90% of them parents that were out there with those kids, I'm guessing that their kids have heard swear words. I, I'm, 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 I'm going to say 99.9. Give me a break. Let him whip. And you know what else I loved? I loved watching Darren Waller on stage with Boy, that he was team. To support his That's what I'm saying. It was just awesome to see. I, I messed with him the next day in the locker room at the Raiders facility. I was like, he come walking in. He walked by Ed Graney. Gave him a, uh, he walked by somebody, and then Ed Graney and me. I don't know if it was Ed Graney, then me, or a third person. But fist pound, fist pound, fist pound. I said, hey. Get to the steam room, get the cigar smoke out. He goes, oh, I did that. I did that last night. I got, it's all out. It, and today, we worked hard, made hard practice, conditioning. I got it all out. So, all I mean, right. he, he was right there having fun with it. I know that uh, your former roommate, Adam Hill, he, uh, he did a story the next day, part of his notes package, in talking about how the, uh, that being a part of that and riding on the bus and being on the stage – and just sort of feeling the energy, but not being a part of it, if that makes sense. Yes. He had nothing to do with it, but he was, he was a part of it. Yeah. Yes. He felt the vibe, and it inspired him. It was inspiring to, you know, because NFL is king. Let's face it. It doesn't matter what. It has nothing to do with gender or sport or, or anything like that. It's just the NFL is the ultimate team game. Well, no, it's just marketing-wise, you know, broadcast-wise, yes. everything. It, NFL is king, period. So when this town... Had was on the brink of winning a Stanley Cup, arguably the hardest trophy to win in all sports, and and didn't. 
um, and, and, and the peak of what this town felt from the depths of the terrible shooting, which we're about to, you know, embrace the five-year, I hate to use the word the anniversary because anniversary is like a celebration, but the five-year mark of the October yeah. 1 shooting. And then how, how high that that team brought everybody, right, and, and, and sort of brought everyone together and then losing the Stanley Cup. To sit back and watch these ladies uplift this community with what they did, you know, it's inspired Darren Waller. And I hope that play, I hope that inspires his play, you know, when they take on the Titans tomorrow. But, again, I well, Let's just, hope it inspires Josh McDaniels' play calling. Let's, okay, we'll get to that in just a little bit because there is going to be some Raider talk coming up a little bit later on on Throw the Flag. And one thing, too, <laughs> is it wasn't just the Aces that have been successful. The other most successful sports franchise here in Las Vegas have been your UNLV women's basketball team, yeah. too. Most recent, yeah. The, recently, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, we're waiting for UNLV basketball to sort of resurrect. UNLV football has been atrocious, let's face it. This year looks promising. Um, the Las Vegas Aviators, previously the 51s, the Stars, they've been in some title hunts, and, you know, they're always, I mean, they've been around. They were the first professional championship in this town way back in the early 80s, right? Um, I believe it was 83 was the first one. Um, Pacific Coast League. Those guys get paid. They're professional ball players. When you got guys coming and doing rehab assignments that were in the majors and they stop here, they go there, it's a professional sports league. They brought the first pro sports championship to Southern Nevada. But in recent years, in terms of success, in terms of sort of celebrating something, bringing somebody, you had the Golden Knights get to the Stanley Cup, yes, but in terms of titles, the UNLV women's basketball program, a couple of Mountain West regular season titles, then, a comp- then, then the conference tournament championship, going to the dance, the ladies' dance, and now the Las Vegas Aces. I, I love it because, um, you know, I've known Lindy LaRock, head coach for the UNLV Lady Rebels, since she was a little girl. Uh, she used to actually watch my son when I'd go to events at Durango High School, and she'd be running around there where her dad was the coach at the time, and she would watch Jordan in the back gym, her and her sister. They'd go in the auxiliary gym. They'd run around. Um, you'd always see her there. So to see what she's done and bring light to the campus and to this town, and now the Aces, and I think people sort of had an infatuation with the Aces and the WNBA but when Becky Hammond came in and sort of, and you saw this woman empowerment with Nikki Fargus, Natalie Williams, Becky Hammond, and the rest of the front office, right? Between Jennifer Azey and her wife Blair, I mean, um, Carrie Lambeer, Carly Sisolak, I mean, they do a fantastic job and they all deserve credit. It starts with Mac David, or Mark Davis, but bottom line is the Aces and the women's basketball program at UNLV have really uplifted this community when it comes to driving some sort of energy and and, and being able to celebrate a championship. You know what else I love about specifically the WNBA is that is a league full of players that love their sport more than any other professional athlete. Because you were just saying, you know, there's already leagues starting right now. The Aces just won the championship, and they're going to have to go overseas right. or maybe go to South America, wherever their league is, and make some extra money that way. I mean, that is so much basketball. That is so much. There's so many injuries to try to avoid, and that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. But they do it because, man, they have to. They have to play. Well, and they love it too. Let's not forget this: 
the main reason everyone was clamoring about why would they schedule the schedule? Who did the schedule of the WMA finals up against the, the pro football? First of all, they couldn't play on Saturdays because of broadcasting rights to the college football. So they needed, right, they needed ABC and ESPN, which have nothing to do with uh, Sundays, right, because you got NBC, Fox, right? So they had to do that. Second of all, the FIBA World Cup started day one. They got out there was the last day of what have been a potential game five. The, they moved the parade from Thursday to Tuesday so the aces that are on Team USA could leave to get to Sydney, Australia. They're already three games in. They're undefeated. Best thing is there are Connecticut Sun on that team. There are Seattle Storm on that team. There's Las Vegas Aces on that team. They just blew through those teams. Now they're coming together to represent the country. That's the power of women's basketball and how great it is the camaraderie within days. Now, I'm not saying that's not the same with with the men's team, but it's so wide apart, right? The season ends long before that. But with these ladies, man, it's just it's different. It's almost like the bond, the energy that the country feels when the ladies, when the women's national soccer team takes the field. I, I don't watch soccer. I couldn't tell you anything about soccer. You know, pro, the, the EuroLeague, the this, the, whatever. But when the women's soccer team plays, I watch. I'm in. I'm all in. I watch. And I just got to say, man, congratulations to the Aces. It really was inspiring. Uh, you took out Sue Bird, her very last game. And, again, just the fact that that game, when she hit that, that big three, I'm like, oh, they might stay. And then the Aces came back. Yeah. Uh, you know, Asia Wilson put that ball in. It was incredible. And and there were some great women that, that, that are retiring this year from, from the league. You know, Brianne January, part of that same team. You had uh, – Sue Bird, yeah, Sylvia Fowles, there's a fourth one, and it's escaping my name. But, I mean, some legends in Fowles and Bird that are, you know, they're retired. So, I mean, and, and the new era is moving in. The new faces of this league. Asia Wilson should be the face of the league, but Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart. Like, this year on the on the, the game, whatever, the, the EA sport, whatever the game, you know, the, oh, the, the NBA, NBA 2K. 2K. Yeah, yeah, so WNBA is Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. It should be Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart next year. No doubt about it. Hands down. Well, guys, we have a huge show to get to in a little bit. So much coming up here on Throw the Flag. We've already started. I know. That's what I'm saying. Get down here right now, man. There's food specials. There's drink specials. you got college football on unlimited amounts of TVs. Swing on by, soak in this action, get a T-shirt from the one and only Willie, Willie Ramirez. Get a get some tickets to some stuff. We got lights. We got we got Rebel Football. They're two and one. Come on down, guys. Uh, sportsbook. <laughs> sportsbook. Go to the Circle Sportsbook down at the TI. We're going to be here for a couple hours. Swing a bite. Soak in this action. Watch some football. Play some bets. Win some money. We're going to be back in just a little bit. More throw the flag right after these words. Back to Willie Ramirez and Gooch. What's your prediction for the fight then? Prediction? Yes, prediction. Hey. <laughs> Mm. Throw the flag. Back again. Golden Circle Sportsbook. Willie Ramirez, Gooch. Did that bring flashbacks back? When oh. did you see? When the first time you saw that movie? Uh, Rocky Three. I was probably nine years old. So like 1989 is when I saw it. Wow. Yeah. So I grew up with Mr. T. Uh, and wow. that line. I saw that in 1982 when it came out. Yes. I lived in Plantation, Florida at the time, and I saw it like three, four times. I, and you know what? At that point, I'd never seen Rocky 1 and 2. 
okay. So that was like my introduction to the Rocky movies. And so once I watched Rocky 1 and 2, never watched. I like, I, like, I've never watched. I've tried to start to 4 with Drago. and Yeah. But, but I've never watched any of the other Rockies. Wow. None of them. Rocky 1 and 2, it, it's a must. It's it, a must. It is, but as I've gotten older and after covering boxing and now, like, in the last five years. You just years, see how fake it is. <laughs> I'm just not into Like, Rocky 1, it's, it's such a – it's just more of a farce, and, and I've become – it's kind of like Rudy. Like, it's touching, and now, like, I'm not a fan of Rudy anymore. Right, because you've done your – see, it's yeah, just like yeah. finding out magic. It's yeah. like, oh, wow, you're amazing, David Copperfield. Then you find out how you did your trick, and you're like, I hate you Matt for Mark, making me feel stupid. You're going to tell it – Matt Barnes did the same thing. He did some research. He did, so – First off, this whole thing going on with Boston Celtics head coach Ime Odoka is, wow. Because originally it came out that he was getting let go from the team just for having a affair with a female employee that's working for the team. And they said it was consensual. There was no problems. Then Matt Barnes, who is new to the media, it's not like he's been doing this for years, but he came out in defense of Ime and was just saying like how this wasn't right and how you know basically just coming out in defense for him but then like a day or two later Matt Barnes releases this new video saying um you know I, I, after finding out all the facts after I spoke I erased what I posted because the situation in Boston is deep it's messy it's a hundred times uglier than any of us thought and that's why I erased what I said well then Matt what did he say he basically just said, that, just saying like how Ime Adoka was innocent, not, not necessarily innocent, but just saying that he shouldn't be in trouble just for having this extramarital affair. I mean, if it was consensual, that's what he was saying. But then he spoke before he knew the facts. And it's like, this is the problem. This is why I'm throwing the flag at Matt Barnes. I mean, obviously I'm throwing the flag right at Ime, but Matt Barnes in particular, because I do have a problem with media being me first like I want to be the first one to say it I want to be the first video that everybody talks about and in this attempt to be first you don't do what you're supposed to do and get the facts straight you came out in support of email and how many people saw the second video how many people saw the second video Matt Barnes you're you're already painted as a villain because you opened your mouth before you found out the facts know the facts then say what you got to say I um I didn't see what he said originally, and I was actually I mean I, it's been my my timeline my social media has been inundated with this story, um, and I'm on so many different wavelengths with this with this particular story in terms of like you know the bottom line is if if you sift through all the rubble, it's it, the bottom line is is that he had um and it wasn't necessarily extramarital because. I think him and Nia Long are, they were just, they're dating or they were, you know, I don't think that they're married, are they? Yeah. I thought they were married, yeah. Him and Nia Long? Well, the chick from Fresh Prince? They have a child together. Nia Long? I, I thought they were married because I had read that she had just moved there. Anyway, okay. So if they're married, regardless of all that, that, that that's not against team policy. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condoning it. I am, so it's one of the top three rules that I raised my son. You don't cheat. Right. Um, but... That's not against team policy. Infidelity, they can't tell you what to do in your personal life. What they can do is tell you that you cannot fraternize and date within the corporation. So my first thought was, okay, he violated team rules and you're throwing him out there by having a relationship with an employee. Okay, didn't she 
violate team rules also? Right. So, and by not naming the woman, you've now allowed all these trolls, millions, to search the Boston Celtics website and find every female employee's picture, whoever it may be. I mean, they're not going to find, I think, everybody, but the main employees, whatever it is that they list. I didn't do it, but, the, you know, I, I mean, I didn't take the time to go look at their website or, or click on a lot of these stories, but I know that that's what was done. So now, you, now you're throwing, oh, maybe it's this one, maybe it's this one. Maybe. And some of them were married with children. I believe one of them, it, was, it, it got really bad, and they owed her an apology. Well, it's too late. You kind of already drug her under the butt. So the problem that originally that I had was, okay, if, if he had a consensual relationship with a woman that was an employee, that means that she, con- she was consensual to it. She violated team rules, but they said no other, no other punishment just for him. Then it's like, well, if no other punishment's being doled out, was she actually an employee or was she somebody's wife? Was she somebody's daughter? within the organization and he's getting in trouble it there here's the problem there's so much to unpack that we have no clue about beyond what matt barnes is talking about in terms of researching and reading what everybody what what sham charney and 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 woge and 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 the quote unquote air quote experts have to say because they don't know yeah you're not they're not legal experts well no but they're 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 not in the know unless they spoke to the coach or right. the woman themselves or whoever was scorned and cheated on okay it's all speculation it's all speculation and the fact of the matter is uh, while they keep it all in the dark it it's it the only person really that's been drug is Ime. right and you were talking about the fans getting a hold of the female staffers that are associated with the Boston Celtics. It's like, how gross are you? Right. Reaching out to these women who have no idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden, these are Boston fans, too, we're talking about. Not necessarily the classiest. And you could just imagine the ugly things that were said. Because, look, man, this guy coached this team to the NBA Finals last year. Right. So, this is, so now those fans love him. And whatever female staffer that he had that relationship with, they, they want blood. And that's the saddest thing about what's going on. Uh, this is another crazy story. And again, coming to us out of the U.K. Wild. Yes. So an unnamed protester jumped on a tennis court, London's O2 Arena, and he set himself on fire in an attempt to bring awareness to global warming. So you make yourself warm? On stage? I, I mean, didn't, I didn't get it. What's funny is I saw this story at 3 o'clock this morning. Like, I was searching for, for my throw the flags. And I was just going through. And usually what I do is I'll just email myself links. And then I, when I get to my desk, I'll read it. I do it yeah. from my phone. And I didn't get a chance to see it. It kind of reminds me of, I believe that there were women who were rushing the court. Like, they were rushing the court to protest um, during Minnesota uh, Lynx games, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember if it's Timberwolves games or Lynx games. But... It was, I mean, you, but this one's crazy. Yeah. This one's nuts. I mean, you're, you're lighting yourself on fire. There is a video of the guy doing it. Now, he, he lights the court on fire, and it's just a little bit. It's not like the whole place went up in flames. but And then he lit his forearm on fire. So there's this picture of him screaming with his arm on fire, and the court is on fire. And then obviously, you know, security ran out there with a fire extinguisher and put him out. But th- 
he's saying he was wearing a white T-shirt with the phrase, end UK private jets. And that's why you light yourself on fire? You do that when you want to protest war, okay? Not private jets. Take it easy. I don't even think you should do that anyway. So commercial jets are okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. He really loves Southwest. I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. That one seemed a little bit intense to me. Someone lighting yourself on fire for a protest. I, I mean, have you ever protested anything? Uh, have you ever sat in front of a, a bus? I mean, you know, I, I, I said, hey, I don't like this. And then I'm like, ah, I'm out here for 15 minutes. It's too hot. I'm going back inside. <laughs> like, this is Vegas. This is impossible to protest out here, man. Even when the, even the fans that went out there for the uh, the Aces parade, I was proud of because it was a hot day and those fans went out there for their girls. I loved it. And one more flag I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw a flag at the entire AFC South for having only one victory between four teams. But they do have a couple of ties. Yes, yes. The Jags won over the Colts last week, and that is the only victory they have, yes, and a couple of ties. <laughs> so out of the four, who are you most impressed with? Who's gonna, who, who, who do you have emerging? Well, first off, I want to admit that I look like a real ass because I was on the Matt Ryan train. You remember? Yes. That was like my breakout player. I'm like, oh, he's going to come in. They're going to have Jonathan Taylor. The play action is going to be in, on fire. It's going to be nuts. They're, gonna be, they're not going to be able to stop him. And, oh, my God, he has looked terrible. Well, and if you look at the, the, if you look at the standings, based on record, the Jaguars are in first, and then from there, based on net points, the Texans are – talk about upside down, inverted. Instead of Titans, Colts, Texans or Jaguars, Texans or Jaguars, it goes Jaguars, Texans, Colts, Titans. Yes, with Davis Mills, Texans. Hey, man, all I know is that I got a bet with Cofield, who we're going to talk to in the second hour about the UNLV Rebels. I got a bet with him. I got plus two and a half wins with my Houston Texans and local Brevin Jordan against his Jaguars, which are who are one and one. You know, and I was kind of thinking that Trevor Lawrence would start to look a little bit better. He did yesterday. You could see that the talent is there. It's just the team is like, oh, man, you know, they, they got a lot of work still left to do in Jacksonville. Well, I'll tell you what's who, who's got a lot of work to do, and not because of anything bad, but because it's day three of training camp, day three, and the Vegas Golden Knights. Man, I was out there for day one. Um, a lot of us were out there, including Lindsey Brown, who's in the box for us today on the, uh, uh, running the show, quarterback in this thing. Um, Darren Millard, who hosts the, uh, the pregame and in-game show and sort of face of the, the broadcast. Uh, Darren Millard is coming up. He's going to talk some Golden Knights. We, we had open locker rooms. And, man, I was impressed by a lot of things on day one. I mean, it's just day one, but in just in terms of the energy, the personalities, um, you know, what this team went up against last year. So when we come back, Darren Millard joining us. It's Gooch, Willie. We're at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Throw the flag on ESPN. Uh, I feel good. I mean, I feel rejuvenated other than being disappointed that I wasn't out there in frustration and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. I mean, mentally, I was always in a good spot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a pretty difficult year last year. Uh, very weird, fluky, kind of odd injury that, you know, some people had seen but not necessarily brought about by the same uh, uh, slice to the face. Now, back to Throw the Flag. It is Gooch. It is Willie. We are at 
Treasure Island. Golden Turkle Sportsbook and Bar. I got Mateo on my left. I got Jared and Lindsey in the box, quarterback in this show. And we are coming up on some Golden Knights talk. I believe that uh, this is like two for two. Two for two in the last few days because I think Darren didn't pick up for Jared and the boys in the morning a couple days ago. So Darren might have – you know what? I think we're going to have to get Darren in the penalty box and just rough him up up against the boards. Like, like you know I mean? Like like send a Revo-type thing after him. Yeah, let's get Colasari, you know – no, no, I'll take care of it. Okay, okay, I like it. I got no problem. I like Trust it. Me. I got no problem with it. I like, I like having an enforcer Cross as my co-host. Me on the enforcer. I got no <laughs> but you know what's good about it is we have a better backup because Lindsey Brown knows more hockey, knows more about hockey than like the five of us put together. So she's going to jump in and talk some Golden Knights hockey, Lindsey. That's the highest praise I've got this week, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Mm, feels so, good. So coming back, that was Alec Martinez. I had like four or five minutes to talk to him before the swarm of media came over for the scrum, as you saw, you know, the first couple of days. And, um, you know, he, he was so reluctant to talk when he came back last year off that brutal, brutal slice to the face. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he opened up a little bit. There was only one part he didn't want to talk about yet. He said, eh, it's opening day of training camp. I don't think it's the right spot. But I was very encouraged with what he said more than anything because he's like, I'm ready to just get out there and start blocking shots and be myself again. And that's exactly what you need from him. And he's honestly the key to this defensive core, guys. He always has been. And that's why it's always been confusing for me why so many people, maybe it's in the media, maybe fans like, well, he's a great trade piece. Like, why don't we go see if we can use him to get somebody in here to score more goals? I'm like, that's an absolute disaster plan yep. that you do not want to go down because he is a guy that makes everybody on the ice better when he is out there. And it's just he covers up for so much. And when you're a defenseman and you're not really mentioned, that's usually a good thing. I mean, sometimes we like the defensemen to score goals that are loud, that are flashy. We've got plenty of those on this team. But you need guys to stay at home, to block shots, and to always be in the correct position that allows guys like Shea Theodore, like Alex Petrangelo, to roam and um, utilize their best offensive assets. So last year, the power play was a major problem for mm-hmm. the Knights. And we're looking at Bruce Cassidy and this new system that he's installing. Is there any possible way that this new system is going to boost that power play next season or this upcoming season? Well, I think you're looking at it in terms of minimizing some areas of their game where they've given up big time uh, odd man rushes or breakaways. If you take a couple of those away, then you're not as tired. You're not chasing as much. So then you don't take as many penalties and then maybe you're playing better and you end up on the power play. Like it's really weird how you can take one little Jenga block out or put one back in and how that really solidifies this entire team but uh i haven't really seen much in terms of power play work yet through camp i'm sure they'll keep that a little bit more secretive but in terms of how they're setting up in that zone defense or even in the offense too you're gonna have to go through more of a pinball machine to try to get to our net instead of having a one-on-one beat me with your skill which sometimes gets people out of position or at least not in position to help out how would you compare this year's style of practice to last year's well, it's very regimented. I mean, they have the, the first half, they go through their warm-up drills. I mean, they get to the two-on-ones that are not so fun for the goalies. A little bit too early for my taste as a, as a netminder. But, you know, there, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of attention to detail. It's hard to hear Cassidy when you're up in the, in the stands and there's the echo in the rink. But when he was describing a drill uh, early on, he was like, I want you to cut deeper into this zone. And, and when you're talking about foot placement, when you're talking about um, depth perception of when you're making your moves and when you're trying to get those certain route trees, at least in, in terms of hockey, uh, that's where I, I'm really seeing a lot of differences. And it's just, it's been a, it's been a change from Gallant to DeBoer to, to Cassidy, but Cassidy, he's on his stuff and you can tell. 
So let me ask you this, because let's go back to the, the power play. I know you say you can't really see – we can't see what they're doing or they haven't done some stuff. Maybe they're – you know, however, the the um, as, as uh, practices progress. Mm-hmm. But Boston was a top-five defense team in terms of goals allowed this past season, and they boasted the league's third-best power play and penalty kill under his watch since he took over in 2017. Now – you do this more than I do. I mean, as far as like widespread league, I watch hockey during mm-hmm. the season. But in terms of the details, like Lindsey um, Gooch, I'll walk by on press row during a game. I mean, the note, she doesn't just draw like write notes. Like she draws diagrams of the goalie or what they're doing. It's mm-hmm. a sickness. So, yeah, is it like, it's, is it like it's, a it's, math problem? Is that what you're doing? It's We're fantastic. <laughs> um, so, Lindsey, from what you remember what he did with the Bruins, mm-hmm. what is it that he does that – could possibly be implemented with this team well you're when you're in boston and you really want to feed the, the martians you really want to feed the posture and those are the guys on the half wall right and so you got to think that's where you're going to want to put jack eichel or or phil kessel and kind of centralizing your point of attack from there the golden knights in the past have put so much emphasis on keeping the puck and distributing the puck from their defenseman at the top of the zone from the point and that's where you get block shots that's where you get it contained in the upper third of the offensive zone. They need to get pucks deeper. They need it to be at the hash mark or lower. And you can toy with goaltenders. You can toy with defense. Make them make a decision rather than just create like a, a line of defense in the high zone. And so I, I think I'm looking more for that of, of that that emphasis of getting the pucks down low on the wall, even below the goal line. I mean, we've seen Mark Stone post up in front of the net all the time, but we know that that back isn't going to hold up if he's taking cross checks like Zach Parisi has for years. So you put him to the side, maybe you have somebody else on the far side kind of going in and out as a screen and you utilize it that way but I I think he's a guy that's willing to change if things aren't working too and that's not necessarily something that's in the in the water for a lot of hockey coaches you know they typically say oh this is what I've done historically so it's going to work eventually it's not always the case guys once again Lindsey Brown jumping in with us Lindsey Brown brand new to Lotus she's going to be producing she's going to be part-time host on several shows so she's jumping in doing some golden knights topics i want her weekly on this show damn it (laughs) i'm down all right i like that attitude so Lindsay, you definitely know what you're talking about and what i want to talk about is is the return of jack eichel hitting that elite level obviously we saw him starting to catch on last year is it headed towards that is he starting to look like the elite player that we were hoping for I think so. I, I just think about all the little checks that your brain puts into it subconsciously when you're injured of just like pulling up a little bit before you get to the corner battle or not going as hard at the player if you're rushing the puck and just because you're not quite confident in your body and that, that integration that has to happen as you heal. And with the whole summer for him to not just skate and be have that ability, but to try to get better, I really think the off season and the length, it really is going to pay off for these guys because you got to think how short it's been in the past. It's been mostly about recovery. There's not a lot of time to maybe put some more weight on in the weight room or or work on some more skill stuff. Like, it's more maintenance. And I think with him, we're going to see a a different echelon, hopefully, because ultimately that's why I think you bring Cassidy in is to unlock that guy because there's a lot riding on it. All right, so apparently Darren must have been listening to the show, and he must have got nervous that – I was going to be like, like you were going to put me over the boards to go after him and, and not worry about the penalty box because we now have Darren Millard with us. Darren, <laughs> are you with us now? I thought he was with us. Mr. Millard, have you, have you jumped in the show here? <laughs> I, I hear him. I, I hear, I hear, a, I hear a crackling of him. Yeah. Yeah. 
I hear, but I'm also hearing satellites aren't lining up quite properly, but he's there for us, though. At least we know he's there for us. Uh, I don't think that he's got a good signal, so I want to move on, and if we get him, we get him. Lindsay, you played goalie. Mm -hmm. You're from Minnesota. Big year here. Robin Leonard is out, obviously, for the season. We know that. Logan Thompson's chances. Aiden Hill. I like, like it was just, I know it's just day one overreaction. You know, we, everybody's going to overreact in some capacity. But I liked what I saw, and I just like the confidence of Logan Thompson carrying over from last year. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that, but tell us more about Aiden Hill because you study goaltenders and you know about this guy. Well, Aiden, I don't know as much about because he's not someone who's played a ton of minutes in terms of a, a starter, but I certainly know that he's been able to catch on with multiple teams and be able to be that backup or that guy that you can count on to come in for you in a pinch. And that's where I asked Kelly McCrimmon a few days ago because it's such a, uh, a territory that they're unfamiliar with of not having uh, a for sure number one here is well, how are you going to really allocate these minutes? I would expect this competition that he was talking about between these netminers to go beyond training camp because you want to keep that mentality, like you mentioned, with Logan Thompson sharp. He's a competitor. All of these guys are, and Aiden Hill is going to push him. And so I know that Aiden's a lot more stay-at-home netminder if you compare him to, to Logan Thompson because Logs, I mean, he's an athletic freak. He likes to attack the puck. He likes to attack angles and then react. But sometimes you like to have a little bit uh, different of a look in your other netminder in terms of staying at home, reading his angles, not putting himself in position to get out of position because most of goalie is just doing a lot of movement just to stay still, if that makes sense. So, Lindsay, I'm just going to ask you, should the fans get their hopes up? They're getting back from injury. We look like we're starting to come together. Should we get our, fo our hopes up? I don't know if you would need it. I don't think the hopes are down. I just I really like the fact that there's an underdog mentality, or at least there's not this expectation for overwhelming yeah. success. And that's something that this team really hasn't had. And I just want them to operate underneath the radar a little bit. And so that's why there's plenty of hope there. Now, there's a lot of people that I've talked to that are saying, well, we expect great things. Or I've heard also, well, they're going to be really bad. I think we just got to figure it out because there's so many unanswered questions. But this is kind of what being an NHL fan is all about. We're just getting into that golden era where we're outside of those initial years where this is just what everybody else has to go through, and you get the luck of the draw, and some years are good and some years aren't. You know what? I love how you came in and said that this team has got an underdog mentality, but they are talented. Mm -hmm. And when you have an underdog mentality and you have unbelievable talent to go along with it, that's, that's the exact kind of attitude that you want to head into the season with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many guys that have things to prove. I mean, Phil Kessel was mentioning a couple days ago that he felt forgotten in Arizona. Jack Eichel obviously wants to prove that he is a superstar in this league. Mark Stone wants to prove that he can play, that he's that he can still be the guy that he uh, has been paid to do and lead this team with. And just to prove that last year was an anomaly. And so I think when you have that, instead of trying to prove like, yeah, we are this thing. We are we are as good as everybody says that we are. Sometimes you need to be the dog chasing the, the mailman rather than the mailman. All right, so let me ask you this, Lance. What is standing in the Golden Knights' way this season? Because the reality is there's a difference between excuses and reasons, right? And mm -hmm. and last year they had legitimate reasons to to blame the injuries. I, you know, we can sit there, they can sit there all they want and go, hey, we're not going to use that as an excuse. Well, it's not. It's a legitimate reason when with when you look at the capacity of 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 uh, man hour man minutes that were lost mm -hmm. um, this year. What stands in their way? Is it themselves? Is it the Avalanche? Is it 
you know, a different team in the Pacific, what's standing in Vegas' way? Well, I'll even go even more micro. I think it's their finishing ability because I don't know if you guys noticed, but Max Pacioretty is no longer on this team, and he's put a few pucks in the net for uh, the squad in the last couple years. And so you're going to have to really have a group collective effort to try to support those goals and replace those goals. And I'm expecting a big year from Keegan Colesar. He's a guy that puts himself in position to score. Now he doesn't always finish. Sometimes he sails it over the net. Sometimes he hits the post. But he's a guy that if he can find that scoring touch, he could score 15 goals in this league. He absolutely could. He has the skates to do it. The same thing with Nicholas Watt. Like you can have these guys um, take over that by committee, but it's just are they able to do that? Are they able to be the leaders of their lines and not just be along for the ride? Like they just have to take a step in their development because they're not the young guys on the team anymore. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, I could just be like, I feel like if I was the coach of this, this squad right here, like Darren just lost his starting job. And Lindsay no. just came in and was like, oh, no. yeah. hey, yeah. look, like, like I, I don't There's even room know for all of us here in this. I'm not burning room. any right. I'm not burning any bridges between me and Darren. Seems like a nice guy. Huge but fan. I do want to give a huge pat on the back to Lindsay. Didn't know she was going to come on. Just came in it. in a pinch. Just and totally. In. It's, it's crushed. It's kind of like the what do they call the the, the 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 goaltender that sits in the back of the arena? Lindsay? The ringer? No, but the. What the the, uh, the towel the, guy? The no, towel the tending? the uh, the uh, where you know every every arena has to oh, have the a the e bug, the emergency backup goaltender. The ah. that, Lindsay was and then came in and pitched a shutout. See, I'm going to oh, go wow. back to what she said originally, and I'm going to call Lindsay the ringer because <laughs> nobody saw this coming. Well, yeah. you saw it coming. We uh, all knew I, what was going to happen. Yeah, we I, all I, knew I, that I, you knew it. You're going to have to get a credential this season and, and come up to the press row and just sit there and watch because, I mean, Lindsay will fill your head between periods, and you'll be like, what? I, I didn't even see any of that. I feel smarter and better for you, <laughs> thanks to you, Lindsay. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to make people smarter and better in the next segment when we come back because it's the everybody's favorite, the gambling segment. Free picks, free picks, free picks. We are on a roll, even though I lost for the first time last week. When we come back, it is the picks of the week. Derek, Mike said that he wants to kind of get back to, you know, the basics in a way for what this offense can do. For you, what, how, what does that mean? Uh, running the ball differently? But what, what's the, what needs to change, I guess? We all have the same mindset. Getting back to the basics, doing what we do, doing what we know how to do, and go out there and execute it. Now, back to Throw the Flag. There we go. Throw the flag back again. Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. Where, by the way, next time the Vegas Raiders come back in town, free parking, free tram to the game. Take advantage of that. And down here at the Golden Circle, great food specials, great drink specials. College football is all over this place. And now, since we're here at the casino, let's do the gambling segment. Now, Willie, you lost for the first time last week. Your pick, so did I. Yep. So did I. I actually had the Niners plus no Niners were oh no I had the Seahawks plus nine which was looking good and then Trey Lance broke his ankle and Jimmy Garoppolo came in and then the Niners found themselves on offense totally dooming my bet last week and last week you had our Las Vegas Raiders I had the Raiders and you had the Seahawks <laughs> oh man wow was, when you were watching that game i was sitting there trying Just, to cover that game and, and i had the aces game on in connecticut and i'm i mean here's the thing is as i'm watching that game unfold like i think it and i, I it was in my story for ap 
is like four to six minutes after the game, the Aces game one, uh, the Cardinals scored their first touchdown. And I was like, this doesn't look good because I looked at how much time was left in the third quarter. I was like, okay, the Raiders haven't done anything. This is trouble. Right. And sure enough, there were three epic collapses last week. You had yep. the Browns and the Jets. The Browns had the Jets had no timeouts, under two minutes left. They were down by 13 and still somehow won the game. Okay, that's just what the Browns do. The Ravens was the biggest one, though, that I just could not believe. Ravens, Dolphins, they were up huge. And then all of a sudden, Tua just was like, oh, you know what? I, I won a championship at Alabama, and I look pretty damn good doing it. Matter of fact, I won the championship at Alabama, and I made the current quarterback go to Oklahoma. I know what I'm doing here, guys. And sure enough, that guy just looked like a Hall of Famer in that game. But let's get back to this week's picks. Okay. Because there's a lot to get over. Last week was just so insane. It was the most insane football I have ever seen. But I'm going to go with the Raiders this week. They're going to be taking on the Titans oh in Tennessee, minus one. And the only reason why I'm doing You're this. You're throwing the Maloika on them. I'm, the only reason why I'm doing this is the Cleveland Browns gave me a little hope. They bounced back hard against the Steelers after that epic collapse against the Jets. And they got their stuff together. The defense came alive in the second half, and they really clamped down. I do believe that the Raiders can do this. And I'm just not a believer in the Tennessee passing game. Look, we all know Derrick Henry's going to run the ball. And we all know that the Raiders' defense is kind of bad against the run. I don't want to throw any shade at him, but facts are facts. But I also believe that with the lack of a passing game that the Titans have, I just think the Raiders are going to be able to key in on Henry, contain him, and I do think they could beat the Titans by more than one point. So I'm going Las Vegas Raiders over the Titans minus one. And that's according to the Golden Circle Sportsbook right here at the Treasure Island. All right, well, I'm going to throw an – I'm going to call an audible. Okay. Um, so you're going to sort of get two free picks here, but I'm going to officially go on the record and keep it with the NFL. I, I was going to give out a college game because I really, really like Rutgers today. I think it's a mistake to give that Iowa's given Rutgers – a ton of points in Piscataway when Rutgers is playing great. Iowa has they, they their one solid competition. They lost ten to seven. Their offense is that's what I'm saying. Can they score? Can the Iowa Hawkeyes? Put they, the I ball? mean, they, they scored it's last week bad. after a lightning delay on uh, yeah, that, God that sister school up north. But the fact is, they haven't played any real competition. Rutgers was I, but we're going to keep it NFL okay. and my official free pick of course I see I leave that door open so, let, so if I lose this and Rutgers win next week I go well, well I was going to give this I up I mean Gooch kind of pushed me into the NFL pick right, so right. yeah take that take I'm that. going to play the Lions and the Vikings over the posted total of 52 and a half because well this game is in Minnesota and I, I think that the Vikings are going to chat. Like, I think the Vikings are going to come out looking to challenge the Lions and saying, you know, let's go. Let's see if your offense is for real. But the thing is, the Lions are tied for second in scoring offense, 35 and a half points per game. They've scored at least 35 in each of their first two games, first time since 1970. They're one of five teams to average 400 or more yards of total offense per game through the first two weeks. I think that this is a big NFC North contest. It's going to really rev things up. I'm going over the posted total. So your free pick is the Raiders. The Raiders. And Mine. yours is the Lions. No, Lions-Vikings over. Oh, Lions-Vikings yeah, over. Don't yes. try I'm to. Sorry. Don't co-field me now. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to go out to Nashville. Associated press writer who covers the Titans, Teresa Walker, coming on the show. Throw the flag with Gooch and Willie to talk Raiders and Titans. After 
Mike said that he wants to kind of get back to you know uh, the basics in a way for what this offense can do. For you, what how what does that mean? Uh, running the ball differently, but what, what's the what needs to change? I guess we all have the same mindset. Getting back to the basics, doing what we do, doing what we know how to do, and go out there execute. Now back to throw the flag. You know when you hear that theme time it is and that was the sounds of Derrick Henry and if it's getting back to the basics and doing what they do it could spell trouble for a Las Vegas Raiders team that has blown their chances the first two weeks it's Willie Ramirez with Gooch I got Mateo on my left Jared and Lindsay quarterback of things back at Lotus Studios we are at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar and ESPN throwing the flag second hour here we go and we are ready to talk Raiders and Titans joining us right from Nashville. She'll be at the game covered. Veteran Associated Press sports writer Teresa Walker with us. Teresa, how are you? Well, I'm doing good. Uh, better than the Titans. Uh, uh, I haven't heard it from the Titans yet, but uh, 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 with the Boys is a podcast that Taylor Wan has been affiliated with since it began and is partnered with, with Will Compton. Uh, tweeted out just a few minutes ago that uh, sadly they ha- hate to point out that uh, their left tackle will be out for the rest of the year. And we kind of expected that. When you get carted off the field after one play, yeah. uh, it's never a good thing. But, uh, you know, it, it's certainly not going to be easy. The difference here from Monday night, Dennis Daly, who they signed uh, or traded for actually with Carolina just before the season, he's had a whole week now to prepare knowing he's going to be the left tackle. And uh, let's face it, the Titans, the backs are against the wall. And how do you see that offensive line holding up against Max Crosby and Chandler Jones? This is a must-win for them, and it's going to be interesting to see how they respond uh, and if they really, truly can get back to their bread and butter, which is running with Derrick Henry. Well, it, it, let me ask you this because it's it's we have a pair of teams that are both sort of desperate for wins, if you will. It's early in the season, and you always hear – professional athletes to say well there's a lot of this to play left whether it's hockey whether it's baseball whether it's football but the reality is this the numbers don't lie teams that start out zero and three don't necessarily have a good chance of making the playoffs um desperation mode for mike grable how does he attack this week against another desperate team well for the titans it's a lot of cleaning up their own mistakes they've had some big plays that have been wiped out by penalties. I mean, just stupid penalties, you know? You know, some of it is effort, you know? Uh, ben Jones wiped out a 17-yard uh, catch and run by Robert Woods Monday night against the Bills because he grabbed somebody's helmet. Uh, there was a hold that it was away from the play, wiped out a 20-yard run by Derrick Henry in the opener. You know, otherwise Derrick Henry had a 100-yard game in his first game back in the regular season from that broken foot. And so they've, they've been kind of hurting themselves. So stop doing that stuff. You know, they're kind of dumb stuff to hurt the team, so to speak, that Mike Rabel talks an awful lot about. Uh, they've been committing a lot, you know, too many penalties. This is not, under Mike Rabel, they don't usually hurt themselves. But they're playing a lot of rookies. They've got a lot of new guys. I mean, that offensive line now is going to feature three new starters from a year ago. Now, this is the team that used an NFL record 91 different players last year. So they're kind of used to that. Uh, you know, put guys on IR and then, uh, ESPN Radio 1100. We're speaking with Nash- Nashville. Uh, what's that, T? 
ESPN yeah, Radio. Did the, yeah. Okay. So Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we got you. So, so they're used to making changes, doing these things in a hurry and getting up to speed, and they need this one because, guys, after this week, they uh, go to, you know, they've got Indianapolis, they've got the Commanders, they get a bye, and then they're back home against Indianapolis, and then two more road games. So, you know, if you're going to start 0-3, Let's face it, the, the FC South is probably the division in the NFL to, to do it in and still have a chance to make it postseason in a 17-game season. But uh, it, it's not the way you want because then you're, you know, but then that would mean you're still committing, probably doing some of the stupid stuff that you haven't been able to clean up yet. ESPN Radio 1100. We're speaking with Nashville AP writer Teresa Walker, who's covering the Titans. And as we know, the Titans are taking on the Raiders tomorrow. 10 o'clock is the kickoff. And... I just want to know, how are the Titans going to attack the Raiders' offense? I mean, we already know that the Raiders have weapons at tight end, wide receiver, the run game. I mean, we're hoping that Jonathan Jonathan Jacobs can return back to form. But how are the Titans going to come after Derek Carr and company? Well, it's going to have to start with Jeffrey Simmons tomorrow. I mean, Bud Dupree is out. Uh, Harold Landry, the guy who led them with the career-high 12 sacks, he he tore his ACL August 31st. So Rashad Weaver, he's a second-year player, played three games last year before breaking his leg. So come on down, Rashad. And I think they're going to have to kick Nico Autry, who was one of the three guys with at least eight sacks last year on this team. I think he's going to be on the outside. And they're going to have to lean on some guys that have been kind of in the middle to, you know, to provide some depth. And they're going to – but Simmons has got to be the guy who has to lead this defense and get the pressure up the middle. Especially with, you know, if, you know, we're waiting to see DeAndre James play at center coming off of the concussion. If he's not cleared in time, or even if he is, he's facing Jeffrey Simmons, which can be a very tough task, along with Pierre Hart, a kind of a, an undrafted guy who has very quietly made a nice impression for this Titans defensive front. Uh, they also get their starting cornerback back in Christian Colton. That will be very, very key for them. But they're going to have to get to Derek Carr early. And luckily for them, you know, let's face it, Carr does not run like, say, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, who they played last week. What would you say is the weakest point on the Titans' defense? Well, it's probably the inside linebackers. It, 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 you know, thought that would be a position of strength, but, you know, Monday night, Zach Cunningham uh, had his arms around the guy for a tackle for loss, couldn't bring him down. And uh, he's now in the injury report, hurt a knee uh, Thursday apparently in practice. Uh, David Long's got a lot of speed, but, uh, you know, that, that's, that's an area that it looked like they had upgraded tremendously from a year ago when they had Jayon Brown, who's now a Raider, and uh, Rashawn Evans, who's now in Atlanta, and they have not played up to what they did a year ago. So uh, those two people definitely need to step up and help with this run defense because, you know, last year they were, you know, one of the best in the NFL defending the run. This year they were among the worst because – you know they're just they're 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 not making tackles. They had double digit missed tackles in the opener, and uh, you know they had a whole bunch more against Buffalo. So you know those two guys have got to be better if they're going to defend the run better. So earlier this, you know we we the show's called Throw the Flag, and uh, in the first hour, Gooch throws the flag at something, and I throw the flag, and then in the second hour, I we bring up topics. He threw the flag at the entire AFC South, Teresa. 
Uh, I'm looking at the standings, and it's inverted based on what you would have thought even two weeks into the season. Jacksonville is on top. Based on net points, Texans are next, then the Colts and the Titans at the bottom. I mean, what do you make of the AFC South right now? Well, it's a hot mess, and it has been. I mean, (laughs) you know, let's not forget the Jaguars were in the AFC championship game not too long ago. Titans were in the AFC championship game in January of 2020. Uh, And, you know, the the Texans, you know, before the Titans took over, they were the, I think, two-time division champs. And yet they get to the playoffs and they routinely get spanked. So, it, it, you know, and, and Indianapolis, God love them. Every year they change quarterbacks and they think this is the year it's going to be different. So, uh, you know, that's why an 0-3 start probably doesn't doom you in this division. And for the Titans, the whole point after three straight playoff seasons, six straight winning seasons, is just get to the postseason and then – you know, then it all, everything else goes out the window. Then it's just win a game and for a team that has lost three straight postseason games. So, you know, that's why if they, they, they need a win tomorrow. But if they were to go 0-3, because it's the AC South, they're not done. That's <laughs> true. That is so amazing. ESPN Radio 1100. We're speaking with Nashville AP writer Teresa Walker. She's covering the Titans for tomorrow's game versus the Raiders. 10 a.m. is the kickoff. And, look, we have watched the AFC South just kind of, I don't know, this, this whole season so far has just been kind of defying logic, defying science. But how does, how does Vrabel get his team focused? I mean, from somebody on the inside, like what does he do to that team to get them motivated? Well, the one thing is, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. You know, he won three Super Bowl rings as a player. He's a very, uh, you know, he holds guys accountable. I mean, uh, a year ago, people were like, oh, my goodness, he's calling out Julio Jones. Well, he calls out guys, okay? He doesn't shy away from calling out a star. You know, and if you're going to call out a star and hold him accountable, that sends a message to the entire team that if I better get my stuff together. And they've made it very clear. You will play to what they want, or they will find somebody else who will. And, you know, so that, that accountability that's something that had been missing from this franchise before his arrival, to a large part. And then, uh, you know, just that physical mode. You know, he was kind of asked, you know, why do you, you know, why do you, why is the run so important? And he goes, well, it's the NFL. You can look back 20 years, and you have to be able to run the ball in the NFL to have a chance to win. You can't make yourself one-dimensional. The instant you do, that's when things fall apart. And he knows that they've got Derrick Henry. The, the, the NFL's biggest battering ram at 6'3", 247 pounds. So, uh, you know, they're going to get back to that, figure out some ways to, you know, get him going. Because here's the thing. If you're running with Derrick Henry, play action with Brian Tannehill becomes so much more easier, and then that makes it tough for defenses to, to you know, what, do you, what, do you, what poison do you pick then? And, guys, keep an eye on Traylon Burke, the guy that was drafted to replace A.J. Brown, who's down Philadelphia. He seems better with each game that he plays. And if they can get Derrick Henry running, then I think that they're going to have chances to get the ball more to Traylon Burks in the open field. And if that happens, then this offense can finally maybe get on track. So it's been a while since we've seen a fourth-round pick get as much hype as Malik Willis is getting right now. I know he got into the game last week, but how has his progress looked? Well, he's, he's progressed 
tremendously from the rookie minicamp in May when he was sailing some balls, guys. I mean, I mean, he was just, you know, it was like, who are you throwing to? And this is a guy who, you know, he, he worked out of the shotgun at Liberty, right? So he's, he's worked to uh, both you know, the, the passes. He's, he's throwing much more on target now. He is showing so much more smoothness and skill and ability to take the snap under center and faking the ball for handoff. So you, you can see the improvement. But let's be real. You know, if they end up having to start Malik Willis this year, that's because the season has gone in the tank, and it's, okay, we got to get Malik Willis ready for next year. All right, so, Teresa, before we let you go, we gotta, we got to ask you this. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the Netflix show Ugly Delicious, but I, I watched one specific episode someone told me to watch, and it was on fried chicken, and it took you all over the country. And I know that some reporters were asking Jay on Brand, some local reporters were asking Jay on Brand where to get Nashville hot chicken. I know that we may have some listeners that are flying out today. So we have to ask you, because I know that Prince's has been, is one place that's been thrown out. There's been a couple of others. Jayon Brown told one of our guys, don't go here, but go here. Where are the Raiders fans that fly to Nashville? Where are we going for hot chicken? Well, Prince's is the original, and it's, you know, it's the one that created the recipe. So it's at the top. My personal favorite is Hattie B's because Hattie B's. They, you know, the chicken is hot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, party fowl is also good. And so, I mean, you know, everybody's got their version here in Nashville. It's tough to go wrong. Okay. Cause, and I can't remember the one that was featured on. Are you familiar with the show that I'm talking about? I, I haven't seen that one. I am a big foodie, and I, I watch lots and lots of food shows. But I, do, I promise you, you, you I can't know, go wrong here. Okay. Cause I, and, I do, and I do know that you, because we're friends on a couple of social media platforms, and whenever I post my food stuff, I think it's on Facebook, you, you, end up, you like it. So, you know, I love to cook. But this show, Ugly Delicious on Netflix, it has different topics, and fried chicken was one of the episodes, and, and I remember them going to Nashville. So, anyway, Teresa, I appreciate you coming on, joining us today on ESPN, Throw the Flag, Teresa Walker, from Nashville, AP sports writer, covering the Titans. Make sure you follow her at Teresa M. Walker. That's T-E-R-E-S-A-M Walker, like it sounds. Teresa, enjoy the game tomorrow, and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. You got it. All right, so Teresa Walker. We got a big game. Tyson, Titans and Raiders tomorrow, both looking for their first win, Gooch. When we come back, I am ready to throw the flag at some topics, and it starts with some fashion right here at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar with Gucci and Willie on ESPN. Now, back to Throw the Flag. Uh, I'm actually wearing it right now, GSTQ. Um, God Save the Queen. It's by Danny Garcia. Mm. Um, she, she's unbelievable, and I think that's, you know, we talk about more female empowerment, and uh, this brand is for women by women, and I'm proud to be an ambassador. And um, I'm going to continue to do what I do, and that's wear it with fierceness and play on the court the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Willie Ramirez and Gooch coming to you live from Treasure Island. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. It is Throw the Flag here on ESPN. As we are in here, the second hour winding things down. We got got some time left, and uh, I'm about to throw the flag. We got Steve Cofield coming up in a little bit to talk UNLV football. But right now, that was the sounds of Kelsey Plum. It was a little drowned out by the music. I built that rejoin, so I'm going to have to check myself on the volume. I have to throw the flag on myself because we didn't hear exactly what she was saying, but that was a live interview on NBA Today with Malika Andrews and 
Monica McNutt. It was right after Kelsey was named an ambassador um, for a clothing uh, brand, uh, clothing brand, and um, recently, as yesterday, GQ Sports, which I, I follow GQ Sports on Instagram, um, and or I did during the WNBA season, and I was keeping on time because I love during the week. They would post Gucci on their Instagram story once a week. I think it's on Mondays. The, over the previous week, there's side-by-side pictures of, let's say, you know, um, this NBA or NFL player showed up to the arena or the stadium or practice facility against this one. They both wore suits or, or similar outfits, very similar outfits. Which one wore best type of thing? The WNBA, you know, graphic tees the, or the BG hoodies, whatever it was. And then you vote. Kelsey was an overwhelming favorite throughout the entire year. Now, yesterday GQ Sports named Kelsey Plum the WNBA's most stylish player. Now, this is based on fan votes, and I get it because she, she, she's got some threads, you know, um, and she wears the Alexander McQueens, and she's got the expensive stuff. But I, I argue that her stylist, Sydney Borden, Bordenero, should share the award with her, or maybe they should give two awards. One for an athlete that doesn't have a stylist, and one for an athlete that does use a stylist. See, I want that. Like, if you're going to go the Cam Newton, Russell Westbrook look, where it's sometimes it looks cool, and then sometimes it's like, what the hell were you doing? You know, those guys are going out on a limb. But if you have a stylist, and, and, and somebody who's dressing you, laying your clothes out. You didn't do anything to deserve that award. I'm sorry, Kelsey. Thank you for the championship. Thank you for making Las well, Vegas feel wait, like winners. But wait come a on. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I got to get because Sydney is laying clothes out like that, that, that is going to accentuate Kelsey's physique. Like Kelsey, Kelsey Plum is one of the – like she told – she said this in one of the very first Zooms this season. Like I believe I am the most in shape. Like I have the be- – I'm in the best shape out of any other player in the league. Like she proclaimed that. And I was one of the first national writers from media day before the season even started that said not that she was just going to have a breakout year, that she was going to challenge Asia Wilson for the MVP award for the league. That's in my story when the, se- when the season began. Well, Asia finished first and Kelsey finished third in the voting. But when you have a physique like she has with the deltoids and the abs, Sydney's dressing around that. So she's got to wear the clothes well. I just think like someone like for me, if I were to vote like just based on someone who doesn't have a stylist, Dejanay Carrington from the Connecticut Sun. I love to pronounce Connecticut, Connecticut. like that. Yes. Um, Dejanay Carrington <laughs> is without a doubt the most stylish who doesn't need a stylist WNBA player in the league. Okay, I'm going to give Kelsey some credit because if they're dressing around her body yeah. and she's the one putting in the work to keep that body tip tape to oh, top, yeah. then oh, yes, yeah. all right, fine, Kelsey. I'll give you a big old pat so, on the back. So I'm throwing the flag on GQ Sports for not having two categories, with a stylist and without a stylist. Okay. okay? I like um, that. I so, agree with that. So yesterday early on, fans <laughs> thought that the NFL hinted that Taylor Swift was going to be the Super Bowl 2023 halftime performer. She swiftly shot it down. Okay. See how, like Let that? me just. Yeah. Well done. Um, <laughs> are we throwing the flag on Taylor Swift as a Super Bowl headliner, or do we like this idea? From the headliners that I've seen in the past, why would this be any different? 
all the all the halftime entertainment is geared specifically towards women. The male the male entertainers and stuff like that. If you're going to have like a Drake or a weekend, those are well, those except are, for last year, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg. Well, like, that was like a word with you. That was that was for for people like myself that are like 35 and up. I'm 43. They, they had to throw out a callback to the 90s. We're like, look, guys, this is for you. We knew you grew up with that. But, you know, but watching that performance, it was all right. But, I mean, for the most part, though, like, why is Taylor Swift going to be anything different compared to the, to the performers in the past? Last year, I'll admit, it was, a little more, it was way more hardcore than, than years past. All right? So, watching Dr. Dre and Snoop. By the way, I just want to point out that Snoop is America's most beloved celebrity there's nothing he could do wrong so you have dr dre snoop eminem 50 cent and i can't remember who else was it um who was the singer was kendrick no 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 i don't know if kendrick might have made it jared i know i know jared knows yeah kendrick might have mary, mary j Blige is what i was thinking of the singer so i mean it's like you brought back everybody from the 90s to get us excited and i'll admit i was in it and i mean you know, whenever you hear that one part to that ding, 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 yeah, ding, yeah, yeah, ding, yeah. ding, you're like, oh, you're pumped. You're ready. You're waiting for that bass to drop, and it's ready to go. But Taylor Swift being it, it's no different than anybody By else. By the way, when you couldn't figure it out, Jared, just so you know, uh, like in my head, I heard Jared going, I'm on it. That's, that's his <laughs> trademark phrase. I love when he does that. Um, here's the thing. I'm not throwing the flag on Taylor Swift because Adam and I talked about this yesterday on Cofield & Company. Dude, how great would it be? If they recreated, Taylor Swift is out there, and Kanye comes in, interrupts, and goes, Taylor, Taylor, I'm going to let you finish, but I'm going to let you finish, but, I mean, the crowd would, it would just, it would be fantastic. So, and here's the thing. Whether you listen to Taylor Swift or not, she is a phenomenon. I think that she would put on a good show. Absolutely. And, and, and more, to, more so than your point of it's geared toward women is that these days it's not about the headliner as much as it is. Think about it. When, like when they announced Dr. Dre last year, it was like, who's he going to bring? It's always about who they're going to bring. Who the so surprise I think, Yeah, who the surprise is, who's going to join them. So I think that it would be fantastic because I think a lot of people would want to come and join in. I mean, who, who knows? Kendrick could show up on stage. I think the Kanye gimmick would be fantastic. I, thought, I think it would be a great – I think it would be great just in general. Like, I, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I don't put Taylor Swift on my, on my Spotify or my Pandora or whatever I'm listening to. But I wouldn't have a problem with her – putting together a show let me tell you what's so crazy about kanye instead of just kanye being kanye the fact of the matter is is i still think of taylor swift the second i hear his name and i don't think about his ex-wife i don't think about the kids and all this garbage going on in the media i still think it's like crystal clear him running up on stage and doing yeah that. and then and then later in the show beyonce beyonce go, classing it up well no beyonce won an award and then she said um I've been up here, I've done this, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go ahead and let Taylor have her moment. And Taylor came up, and she gave her acceptance speech instead of Beyonce giving hers. And Beyonce, the the award that Taylor won that, con- that Wasn't got, it Newcomer? It was, it, no, she it was Best Video, and it beat oh, okay. out Beyonce's. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was Video of the Year, and it beat out Beyonce's All the Single Ladies, which is, okay. a, you know. And the thing is, is she came out there, and just again, Beyonce, her doing that just ramped her up even further on the celebrity echelon because it's like doing that kind of thing is incredible. All right. New York Knicks is Jalen Brunson. He got engaged on his high school basketball court, okay, um, with his high school sweetheart where they met. Beautiful. Um, I personally liked it. I like proposals like this 
better than the Jumbotron. I am not an in-stadium guy. Uh, Lindsay and I have seen plenty of these. Mateo as well, being the engineer during the uh, ESPN Deportes broadcast at Golden Knights games. We see this all the time. I am not an in-stadium. I kid you not. Maybe mean to say. Maybe not. I The guys I sit next to, I'm not done. Don't make me throw the flag on you. Um, we do say, is this the day she's going to say no? We kind of wait for the for the. Uh, eh, we we look at the we look at her face. We say, uh, yeah, she was forced into saying yes. She wanted to say no. But you know what? I've seen it where they've set it up to where they said no. You know, like they make they oh, get a I've couple of actors. Oh, like I, I saw no, one no. where somebody got down on one knee and then she threw some popcorn at him and. America, like, hated this girl, and I'm like, uh, you didn't think that that was totally put on? A guy proposes to a girl, and she throws popcorn in his face? Unless the guy hooked up with her sister, like, the night before. Oh. Then I understand wow. the popcorn in the you face. You went to the depths. I, look, I go deep. I go dark sometimes. All right, so there's 41 dark. home games. I'm setting the over-under at, uh, at 10 and a half. Okay. Okay, a little less than 20% of the home games today of this season that we will see a proposal which, by the way, I feel has jumped the shark. I was going to say that. That's the reason why you don't like it. You've seen it too much. Yeah. So when you see these sports fans and they do it like they're original, like they think they're doing something romantic, it's not romantic if you saw some other guy do the same thing two days ago. It's yeah. a wrap. Yeah. Do something else. Now, if the two of you are so over the top in love with the Golden Knights, uh, okay, maybe. One game, something... one game there was a marriage on the fortress. Okay. That's something you don't see every – that's something that you don't expect to see. But the kissing cam and the proposals, oh, the it's been done to death. It's been done to death. I'm throwing the flag at everybody that wants to do it from this point on. <laughs> All right, so real quick here before we go to break. Sunday, tomorrow, National Lobster Day and National Quesadilla Day. Which one is Gooch more likely to celebrate? Which one are you more likely to throw the flag at? I'm almost angry that you made me pick between these two because this is – Oh, God, I want, both. I want, maybe I want make lobster, lobster quesadilla. quesadilla. Boom, there you go. I'm mixing it. I'm mixing the two. Lobster quesadilla. I'm not picking between the two. It's like asking me to tell you what my favorite kid is. I can't give you that. All right, well, you know what? If you get down here to Treasure Island, one of the breakfast menus is a breakfast quesadilla. The kitchen is open. The bar is open. The bedding kiosks. Everything great. I mean, I can't. Even, I don't even. I can't stop counting the TVs. But fantastic atmosphere. Most importantly, in Las Vegas, free parking. Come down here. We're here for about thirty more minutes. We got T-shirts. We got some tickets to give away. When we get back, Steve Cofield live from Logan, Utah, where the Rebels later today will play the Utah State Aggies. Right here on Throw the Flag with Gooch and Willie, ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Throw the Flag. You gotta love how we have back-to-back rebel fight song, right? From a from a commercial to the rejoin. Mateo's got his UNLV hat on, and UNLV football, man, it's got. There's a buzz around town about this team right now. I knew it. It's Willie Ramirez and Gooch. We are live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar at Treasure Island. It's throw the flag on ESPN. And joining us right now, live from Logan, Utah, where the Rebels are going to be playing later on, it is Steve Cofield, of course, from ESPN. And he's on the broadcast today. Steve? What's going on, guys? Do you know what time it is, first and foremost? I'm lost. Uh, An hour time difference. I have no idea what the hell's going on. I got it. So I got a text message, uh, Gooch, a little bit ago. He's like, "Um, (laughs) what, no guest spot this week? I I thought I was on. 
thought I was supposed to be on at 1033. I was like, yeah, Pacific time. It's, oh, man. Oh. I'm, I'm getting sweated over here. World traveler, Steve Cofield. He understands. Huge, I have no idea what's happening. Uh, none. <laughs> I did, you know what, I did uh, take a little sip of uh, Jameson last night on the hardcore oh. bar scene in Logan, so that might have had me screwed up this morning. You know, I was going to ask you because – Beer in Utah is lesser alcohol content. I, so, think, I, I think across the state they've changed it because that was the case. The first time I came here was 2018, and I had to drink like three, like, I don't know what it was, 32-ounce beers. So it was like buckets of beer to get a little buzz on. I think they actually have upped it to uh, the regular beer now. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, so just one beer, one or two beers to feel that buzz instead of three beers where you look like you have a real problem. But I will tell you that uh, I think Utah people are having trouble adjusting to it because uh, I was walking around Logan last night, and I looked to my right, and I'm like, is that someone sleeping in the grass? Oh. Yeah, and there okay. was a, so there was a guy who uh, did not appear to be a homeless guy, but yeah. he was out cold on the oh, side of the road Aggies. in Logan, Utah. Well, that's what happens. You know, the Aggies are underperforming. The Rebels are, <laughs> I mean, like the Rebels are load are road favorites. <laughs> and and the, I mean, these this is this is the turn of events in the Mountain West Conference. This is what happens. Sure, so. cities that are unaccustomed to watching teams struggle, like Utah State's been a really good program. Yes, they're drinking their sorrows away to the point where they're falling asleep on a bed of grass on the side of the road. Hey, look, there used to be people covered in vomit all the time on Boulder Highway when we were playing under the Silver Bowl. So I, oh we God. understand their point. Let's not Very get true. started with people covered in vomit. Steve <laughs> lost his mind last week with some oh, yeah. woman. I mean, it just let's not. Get oh, started. yeah, I let's, did hear that. Let's let's talk about the Rebels. I mean, because they are two and one, could very well be three and zero. Oh. Um, they're they're laying points on the road, and from my understanding, I spoke to a bookmaker. So the sharps are they like the rebels up to three, and then they're somewhat buying it back, maybe even adding a half point to buy it back down. They're trying to side the game. They may see the Utah State wakes up. Can the rebels handle this prosperity right now? We're gonna find out, right? I mean, uh, covering you know UNLV up close for the last five years. The this is nothing against Tony Sanchez, but when they did have some good moments and looked like they were in good shape, they couldn't handle prosperity. But I will say. When you're around Marcus Arroyo, and I get to do the post-game interview with him, you know, after the games, and win or lose, he's about the same. Like uh, they won last year at New Mexico to finally get a win, and like he wasn't celebratory. He was very calm and composed, and uh, he's also not super, you know, mopey uh, after losses. He's pretty composed there. So I think the I would assume the team kind of follows his lead, and they're not too jacked up about the good start, and they, they have max motivation here because last year. Uh, they, you know, they lost a close game against Utah State. Uh, your guy, Savon Scarver, had a big kickoff return for yeah. Utah State, and uh, the Rebels were seconds away from stopping Utah State, and they scored in the final 30 seconds to win the game. And then look at where the seasons went. UNLV could not win a close game, and Utah State won every close game, and they wound up winning the uh, Mountain West title, the Mountain West championship game, and uh, they went to a bowl game. And those teams were not that far apart a year ago. So, I mean, I think that's the easiest thing to sell to these guys is, you haven't really accomplished anything, and you know you have this team in front of you that came into a legion and beat you. You need to avenge that defeat. Well, in Utah State, you know it was somewhat of a surprise in what they did, and it followed a year where it was a surprise in what San Jose State did in a year where they were displaced from their their locale, right, because of the uh, the pandemic, and they had to find homes, including Las Vegas. Th- is this a year that I mean, at two and one? Somewhat the emotions in check. You mentioned how Mark Soroyo downplays it a little bit. Is this, I mean, it's, it's early to say, 
But can we be staring down the barrel of a third straight surprise year of a Mountain West team, maybe one making its run right here in Las Vegas? Possibly. I mean, for, you know, first task at hand is to win a couple of games in a row, which they have a chance to do here. But, I mean, when you look around the conference, everything, you know, a lot of programs are not what they were thought to be. I mean, Boise last night got destroyed by UTEP. Uh, remember, yeah. UTEP fell to North Texas 31-13, and last week North Texas got crushed by UNLV 58-27. But Boise isn't, you know, where it's usually at. I don't know what's going to happen with San Diego State. I bet San Diego State today, but it's shocking to see them as a, a home dog. Yeah. against Toledo. Um, I think Air Force is really good, and they walloped uh, Nevada last night. But is their defense, you know, to the level of you know, what it was last year? That was kind of a big thing for them. You know, what they do on the ground uh, and ball possession also gets helped out a lot if you have an awesome defense. So Air Force may not be as good as they were last year. Fresno, who knows what's going to happen here with Jake Hayner. So, I mean, this is, I, this is going to be one of those years in the Mountain West where um, I don't know that anyone's going to pile up a ton of wins. In the you know in their division in the conference and every game, uh, you know you have a possibility of a, an upset or a, you know in this case you can have a slight upset with UNLV laying the points. So it this conference is going to be wacky. ESPN Radio 1100. We're speaking with Steve Cofield, who's down in Logan, Utah, right now, gearing up, up, oh, up, 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 it, up in Utah. Okay, so, <laughs> I was by Gooch. I don't know where I am. So I, was, yeah, I, was, yeah. I don't know. You what don't time know is, the so time. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm down somewhere. Yeah, you don't know the time. I don't know up and down. But uh, <laughs> down in Utah, gearing up for UNLV taking on Utah State. And let's jump ship to the running game, UNLV's running game. The zone blocking, patient running by Aiden Robbins. How is this going to work today against Utah State's defense? Well, last year I didn't think Utah State's defense was very good. It was bend, don't break in that game against UNLV. I mean, now that people have seen it, they're going to make adjustments. I will say um, Utah State's having some really bad luck with injuries. They just lost – one of their starting defensive linemen for the year. Uh, I know as a roster, they're mixing in like 14 or 15 freshmen. I think last week they actually were missing three of their four defensive linemen. So I would love to see UNLV set the tone uh, early and often like it did against North Texas, like it did in the second half against Cal. I, I think this is a mostly plus offensive line unit. And then Robbins, who knows what we're going to see from him in terms of the heights he can reach. Uh, he had gaping holes last week, but he also he made really good cuts. He showed breakaway speed. I mean, they might have another guy here. Um, I'm not going to say he's Charles Williams because Charles, you know, set the all-time number for rushing yards at the school. But they may have a guy here, Nate Robbins, who can go out and rush for you know a thousand, eleven hundred, twelve hundred yards. So while I believe Marcus Arroyo, I'm not going to say his identity is is passing because he's always been part of teams, part of schools that like to run the ball and had super productivity. But I think this is. A, a team that can really throw the ball, but I think they need to they need to set the tone early in all these games. They can really run the ball, and if you know, you're getting downhill, you saw what happened with North Texas. North Texas was okay in the first half, and I think they kind of broke them in the second half. You know, a lot of the linebackers and defensive backs were like, "I don't want to tackle Aiden Robbins anymore. He's six three and two thirty. I've had enough." Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't if your running game is more powerful than the passing game? I'm sorry, I think that just gives you an advantage right there. Yeah. Well, the other element is. You know, as long as he stays healthy, uh, if you don't have a spy on Doug Brumfield, he can yeah. beat you. He's a really good runner, and last week he busted off a 29-yarder for a touchdown. He finished with 100 yards rushing. So defending this team, if you, you, know, if you get things rolling early uh, with the run game, I mean, look at what could open up for the passing game. So, And then yeah. Brumfield right now is, I think he's PFF's pro football focus, 11th rated quarterback in the country. He's actually ahead of C.J. Stroud by the numbers, which is crazy because that guy's awesome. But that's how good their passing game has been. So right now they've got, you know, 
a three-pronged attack with the, the running back rushing game, uh, Brumfield rushing game, and then the passing attack. Yeah, and we talked about this earlier this week, Steve, you and I, in that this two-headed monster on offense, right now, they're on pace. Doug Brumfield's on pace to pass for 3,092 yards. Aiden Robbins on pace to rush for 1,392 yards. Only twice since 2013 has a quarterback passed for over 2,000 yards or rushed for one th- or over 1,000 in the same season. 2013 with Caleb Her- Herring and Tim Cornette. 2019, Kenyon Oblad and uh, the Chuck Wagon. This is a very dangerous two-headed monster that if it, it, with you guys, as you're out there during the week for practice, the confidence level that this team is playing with, even in the loss, the deliberate play that these guys are playing with is pretty impressive. Yeah, they're feeling good about themselves. I think the coaching staff has done a good job, especially with second-half adjustments. Uh, you know, the first game was a little weird because they took their foot off the gas pedal against Idaho State, but the last two games, uh, they were the better team in the second half, so everything's clicking right now, but I, I will warn everyone, <laughs> these road spots um, in the hills are yeah. tough. I mean, we're, we're at elevation here of like 4,500, um, and these places, you know, teams get downhill in these places and can break the opponent coming into town. You know, there could be a little stamina issue. We'll see how they hold up. Um, there's never really an easy win, um, I would say. And the only one right now that I would chalk up and say, hey, they're just they're not a good team is Hawaii. But yeah. there's also the factor of making a road trip to Hawaii. And kids don't get a chance to go to Hawaii a lot of times when they're younger. So you can kind of stray and lose it mentally. So uh, every game – this team is going to need to be focused. There are no easy wins in the Mountain West. Speaking of Steve Cofield here on ESPN, throw the flag. Um, Steve coming to us live from Logan, Utah, where the UNLV Rebels will be playing Utah State later on today. You can hear that game right here on ESPN. So, Steve, let's talk about defense because, man, Utah State is banged up. Quarterback Logan Bonner, I mean, I read an article that he admitted he's not even really confident in his surgically repaired knee, which is not a good sign. You're going out there and you're having to lead your offense, but you're just not confident in doing the things that you were able to do before. Um, but UNLV's got an injured secondary. Yeah, they've been suffering with uh, injuries and then undisclosed situations. You know, Tyson Player, the starting safety, is probably out for the year, so that all of a sudden has bumped up a bunch of new safeties all new to the program. And Jordan Morgan, transfer from Iowa State, seems to be getting a grasp on the position. He's backed up by Juco and, and Trent Hollow. And then the other the cornerback across from um, Noel Williams has kind of been rotating a bit. Cam Oliver got the start early in the season. Uh, Kilinahe Mendiola Jensen got the start against Cal. And, you know, Oliver made some plays last game. He had a bunch of tackles last game. So teams are still going to try to pick on that other cornerback position. And, listen, this is the ultimate test. Um, They love to throw here. And Bonner has beat up the Rebels in the past. Uh, Last year he threw for a ton of yards. And, you know, he he hit Devin Tompkins all over the field for 12 catches. Tompkins off to the NFL now. But uh, they're going to try to take advantage of a little bit thinner defensive backfield. And the Rebels are going to have to go deep. And their defensive backfield, and that means some newcomers like uh, LeCarrie Pleasant-Johnson, who's transferred in from Utah. He's going to be on the field. He'll be tested. So, um, you know, this is, a, this is a tough one. Logan Bonner also, remember, he was at Arkansas State. He came into Sam Boyd a few years back and freaking lit up the scoreboard, and they scored 43 points in that one. So there's a history here with Bonner, and they haven't done a wonderful job of slowing him down. Now, the city is obviously <laughs> a buzz over UNLV being 2-1. and one. It's amazing. We're all happy. But – Steve, realistically speaking, where is UNLV in the pecking order in the uh, Mountain West? 
going into week four? Yeah, somewhere in the middle. I mean, I've seen some people rank them as high as four. I think they got to prove a lot more. I'm not going to put UNLV football right now this year. I had a programs like San Diego State, so I'd say somewhere in the six, seven, eight range, which is, hey, that's an improvement. Uh, they didn't get a lot of love from the media in the preseason poll, and you know, people now are kind of discovering the impact that all these transfers, like Robbins from Louisville, are having. I mentioned Morgan, you know, Ricky White from Michigan State. I mean, there's a reason those guys were at those schools, and now they've come to the Mountain West, and they're they're doing pretty well. So. Listen, if they, if they win this one, then uh, you know, I think they start to move up towards probably the, the five or six range in the conference, but you got to get the win. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I'm with you on San Diego State plus the points at home against Toledo. I'm not bought in. You know, San Diego State's two losses are the Pac-12 team, so I want to see what happens there. But if UNLV goes in and wins handedly, and it doesn't have to be a blowout like they did against North Texas or Idaho State, but if they win handily control from start to finish, I may be ready to put them higher up in that pecking order. Steve, we appreciate you coming on, throw the flag, giving us some insight. Make sure you check out the boys later on today, ESPN Las Vegas, UNLV, and Utah State coming up later on. And, Steve, we'll, uh, we'll see you back here. I'll see you Monday night. You will, and uh, the audience will hear us today at 3.30 with the pregame. So thanks yep. for the spot, guys. You got it. Take All right, so Steve Cofield coming on with us and uh, giving us, like I said, some insight with the UNLV football team. Uh, they're laying points on the road, Gooch, but you know what? They're playing really well. Marcus Arroyo has them playing with confidence. Utah State struggling a bit this year. They're banged up a lot of places. Um, the Rebels could be coming home with a 3-1 and one record. I love the running game. I love the Aiden Robbins. I love Brumsfield. Just bootleg. Just get him out in the open field. I really do think that UNLV's got a strong advantage in this one. All right, so we're going to close things up. When we come back, it's the final flag. And our subject, well, we're going to go out back out to City National Arena with the Golden Knights. It's Gooch, it's Willie. We're at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Throw the flag on ESPN. I have high expectations for Jack. Jack has high expectations for himself. I, I think when you, you know, sometimes just step back and look at things objectively, uh, you know, 12 months ago he had a broken neck, didn't know where he was going to be playing hockey. So... Uh, a lot has changed since that time, uh, you know, the trade, the surgery, uh, you know, the games that he did play uh, in our organization. I think that he's in a far better place this year in terms of starting on day one, being part of the group, uh, full health, uh, uncertainty behind him. I think all of those things are really uh, helpful to the mindset of a player preparing for a season. The final flag. Nintendo Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> the notorious G-O-O-C-H. Oh, I love it. Oh. Did, you, did you notice on, 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 the, on the soundtrack uh, tweet that I put Juicy by Christopher Wallace? Oh, okay. I yes. like that. Going yes. old school. I well, like that. his name. Of course, the birth name. But we all know. His mama named him Christopher. I'm going to call him Christopher. But who calls Notorious B-I-G Notorious B-I-G? We always call him Biggie. Biggie. Sure. And he was not a lot. And the thing is, always that was... A name he wasn't allowed to use because of some contractual garbage. But, yeah, we all call him Biggie. That was the sounds of Kelly McCrimmon coming back over Biggie Smalls' Juicy. Um, and he was talking about Jack Eichel um, as we close things out here from Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN. Willie Ramirez and Gooch with Mateo handling things to my left. Jared and Lindsay in the box quarterback and things at Lotus. So, Here's the deal. I am team Jack Eichel. He's gotten a lot of flack, a um, lot of different things, you know, came up as far as his, you know, what he did back in Buffalo. Um, you know, was he bad for the locker room? Was this, was that? Um, 
after this past season, right, or last season, the, just the, the time that he was in. Oh, he should have done a lot more. Um, I'm coming to the defense of Jack Eichel. I am team Jack, Jack Eichel. I am rooting for this guy, you know, in terms of, you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist and I'm a, staying objectionable. But I, I want to see this guy succeed. Yeah, I mean, anybody who comes back from a broken neck, I mean, just just think about what that says to just regular people that are suffering through an injury. I mean, when you have a, a pro athlete like that going through an experimental surgery, which was scary enough, and then he comes back, and the way he was handling the puck wasn't like the other Vegas Golden Knights. This guy really is special if he could get back up to 100%. I am 100% in this guy's corner. Well, and I, and, I, and I had a chance to talk to him a little bit after the scrum the other day, and I asked him on how he felt after finally having a regular off season. Yeah, I mean, I feel great. I mean, um, it was nice to, you know, have a normal off season and be able to come back here and, um, you know, have met these guys and feel comfortable in the room. And so it, uh, that definitely helps a lot. And I feel good. I'm excited for the season. I think uh, I think everyone in the in the room would agree that uh, we're all pretty excited to to get going here. It, it was probably too long of an off season in our mind. And so you know, three years since he's been able to enjoy a regular summer, the training. But you heard him say, "Get to know these guys," and that was what was important because you heard so many things about like what he was in the locker room and he sort of dissension in in Buffalo and because you know what he was demanding. And the thing is. I've heard nothing but good things from the players and talking to them, you know, talking to guys that have been out and about, or you see them at the, we talked to Keegan Colasar on the show a couple of weeks ago and the, and the locker room type of guy. And I think when you change the environment and he's embraced differently and an organization that sort of supported what he wanted for his well-being, it's a different story, man. There's, there's two sides to every story. And he and I talked when the recorders all went off, off the record. And I told him, I said, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to covering this season because I think that there's a different person than what's been portrayed. Um, and I asked him, have you set any goals, personal goals? He did, but he also talked about the team. I've definitely set some of my own goals and um, some goals for the team and myself personally and, and expectations on what I think I'd, uh, what I expect out of myself. But, um, you know, it's, it's so early. I mean, we've been on the ice for 70 minutes and it's day one of training camp. So I think it's just important for our group to continue to learn what Bruce is, what Bruce is preaching and um, continue to just try and get yourself back in the game shape every, every day and continue to work and uh, feel good about your game and feel good about our game as a group. You know, when you were talking about him having problems at Buffalo and some of that kind of carrying over to Vegas, look, do, do, does anybody remember that he's only 25 years old? Like, how many gigantic mistakes did we all make, especially with, like, our coworkers, our friends, that, you know, you look back on hindsight and you go, yeah, I wish I were a little bit wiser when that situation arose. He's 25. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I want to I end on this note. Just just to not forget, it's the last Saturday in September. It's his National Suicide Prevention Month. It's okay to not be okay. Talk about the guy, someone who went through mental health, right? I mean, Jack Eichel's overcome a lot. So, hey, if you're out there struggling, don't forget to talk to someone. Dial 988. It's okay to not be okay, Gooch. And... Monday, happy 79th birthday, Mom. Yeah. Gooch, Willie, Mateo, Jared, Lindsay, we're at Treasure Island Sports.